In episode 26, I'll be discussing the topic of workload, which as we know is one of the top reported stresses across schools in Australia. We'll cover the top sources of workload pressure and practical ways to address workload stress in schools. Stay tuned. Welcome to Well-Led Schools with Adrienne Hornby. On this podcast, we talk about all things staff well-being, school culture, and leadership. Join me for incredible and rich conversations with a range of experts who will give you tips, tricks, and inspiration to best support the well-being of the staff in your school and yourself. I'm your host, Adrienne Hornby, a health and well-being consultant and former school leader. I partner with schools across Australia to tailor and embed staff well-being action plans aimed at addressing staff burnout and building positive working environments. This episode is brought to you by our signature Well-Led Schools Partnerships, a 12-month program that brings leaders and staff together to create a shared vision for their school and empowers them to create an action plan that leads to needle-moving changes in school culture and morale. Doors to our partnerships open only once per term. Stay updated on program openings and sign up for the waitlist at adriannehornby.com.au forward slash school hyphen partnerships. Hi, and thanks for tuning into this episode. Today, I'll be chatting all to you about workload. If you're a school leader or teacher or even staff member, you probably know really all too well that excessive workload can put us behind on our core tasks, cut into personal time, and can eventually lead to a feeling of never really being caught up. Excessive workload can, in time, lead to chronic stress and potentially even burnout, which is why it's really important to find ways to address the workload issue, even when the workload feels like it can't be reduced. In today's solo episode, I'll be diving into the key factors contributing most to teacher workloads, how to address our workload and practical solutions for some of the most common workload challenges. So let's get diving right in. Evidence suggests that school leaders and teachers are spending more time on administrative tasks than ever before, with little or no extra time to spare. The increased workload is really putting droves of school staff at risk of professional burnout. Furthermore, the mounting responsibilities of teaching nowadays not only affects those currently working in schools, but it also impacts the attractiveness of the profession to those outside it. This is really also reflected in my own school wellbeing survey data, which does identify that workload and admin tasks are mostly the leading causes of stress across a number of schools who are or who have surveyed their staff. Bit of a caveat there, a trend that I'm noticing is that it's mostly, again, a struggle for our leaders and our teachers, more so than our administration tasks. So another nod to why doing a survey is really important, because 
when I'll ask staff about stresses, teacher stresses are really different from the admin support or non-teaching staff. So then our approach to wellbeing might need to be tweaked for the different groups of staff in our school. But I digress. <laughs> in addition to this, staff shortages stemming from the pandemic uh, and of course other factors and teachers and staff choosing alternative careers continue to impact workload and stress levels. As things like classes are split or cancelled, putting teachers further behind in curriculum delivery and assessment, leading to, of course, an increase in our workload. So what does actually affect teacher workload? There was a workload study conducted by Satchel, and this is included inside of the UK-based Workload Reduction Toolkit, which, while it's a UK tool, is actually endorsed by Aitzel, um, and I'm going to link that in the show notes. It actually identifies five main areas affecting teacher workloads. So the really obvious ones are, of course, curriculum planning, marking feedback and assessment, and data management and collection. With the less obvious but also very interesting areas being student behaviour and school communication. In my work consulting with schools, I'm also seeing teachers with impacted health and wellbeing struggling to manage their workload or perceiving it as higher than others. Those who might have maybe a lack of or not a toolkit full of time management skills. And this isn't un- uncommon. Many staff are just people in general, lack the skills to manage their time and prioritise tasks effectively, which really makes sense because as a human species, we're not designed to have such an endless to-do list and so many competing responsibilities across our professional, personal lives finances, all of the things, you know, at our core, we're quite intuitive nature-based beings who spent our time outside in communities and in touch with nature and ourselves. And all of a sudden now we're in modern day life, which is um, not quite attuned with our very innate wiring. So we have to actually learn and embed those skills to be able to, to manage our time. Uh, Also things like instructional leadership, expectations and assessments put really added pressure on staff as at times this style of leadership alone might not consider the other factors which are impacting teachers and even students like their mental health, personal lives, etc. And of course the COVID-19 pandemic as I said before, has led to more staff shortages and impacted staff well-being. But I think we're also having more teachers out, those, you know, while we might be fully staffed or close to being fully staffed at our school. People are opting to take time off when they're sick now, um, which is good, uh, but it also leaves a lot of staff out, particularly during winter, uh, and then we're losing a lot of our release time. So studies reveal that teachers and leaders are more likely to leave the profession when they have concerns over their workload. So addressing the issue of staff for being affected by workload is a joint responsibility and it's up to leaders to adapt school practices to streamline workload 
while teachers and staff should, of course, adjust their practice, improve their time management and productivity, seek support, apply boundaries and provide respectful feedback and solutions to the school when they're perceived that their workload is increasing or becoming unmanageable. So with that in mind, let's dive into five ways that we can address our school workload problems. When I work with schools, I take a very diagnostic and quite methodical approach to supporting staff with any workload-related stress. It's about more than just acknowledging it. It really requires the school to create an environment where staff feel safe to talk about their stresses and well-being for leaders to be setting a good example around how we manage our workload and how we work alongside recognizing those key pressures and then doing our bit to address these both as a school and as individual staff. You know me, as I just said before, I strongly advocate for staff for being being a joint responsibility where it's not just up to the leaders to put in place processes and supports for staff only. Staff must contribute to this journey of development and growth at the same time. So step number one, of course, is to build and establish a healthy workplace culture that has a strong focus or emphasis on workplace well-being. And that is because a healthy workplace culture really protects and promotes the importance of maintaining good physical and mental health. Now, workplace wellbeing includes a focus on ways to recognize and then address common risk factors for stress. So this means openly talking about and consulting with staff on their workload if staff are recognizing that this has a significant impact on their health and wellbeing. Your school's main stressor might not actually be workload It might be on student behaviour and safety or it might be on a communication breakdown with the school leaders, for instance, or between staff themselves. So you really need to get to the core of what it actually is. And then it's important to recognise that school leaders have the ability and, quite frankly, I think the responsibility to positively influence and transform their school's culture. It is ultimately the leader's responsibilities to ensure that they're implementing policies and practices that really safeguard teachers' psychological and physical well-being. So as I said before, a great place to start here is to survey your staff or (laughs) talk to them not only about their health, well-being, stress and burnout risk, but also to identify how many of your staff might actually be struggling or suffering, but then really importantly to pinpoint the causes of this workplace stress. It's not enough just to say, all right, well, 50% of our staff are struggling. Well, why are they? And we can't write it off as something that's external. We need to find out what it actually is. And then if your staff recognise that their workload does or is one of those things that has a significant impact and this is an area of priority for them and for the school, then we know we must actively work to address this. Point number two, as I alluded to before, is 
also to set a good example as leaders. So promoting and encouraging a healthy work-life balance is really the only the first step. Actually modeling the behaviors you want your staff to engage in can help to build a healthier workplace culture. Staff really do look to their leaders for guidance on how to act. So if they see leaders working through breaks, staying late, never taking a day off, they may feel that they need to do the same or for fear of repercussions or that it's just the example that you're setting and they might see that you won't deem them as successful if they're not working that same crazy amount of time, particularly for our early career teachers. Um, I've been there and I've done that and I've set a really bad example before and while the words out of my mouth might have said, family first, look after you, but then I I sort of ran myself into the ground working really late hours and over weekends to do teamwork, showing them that that's what I expected, that was the hidden messaging behind my behaviour. Now, modelling desirable behaviours can look like admitting when you're stressed, showing vulnerability in front of your team, having conversations about non-work-related matters in the staff room or offices, and also setting boundaries around your personal and professional time. These small actions can help foster an environment where people feel safe, bringing their whole selves to work, effectively increasing their overall well-being. And in a highly emotive profession, like education, this is not going to put you on the back foot like it might in other industries. Um, We really need to be not outwardly neurotic and emotional with, with how we behave at school and work, but human. Step number three is to really ask staff where then their workload challenges lie. So one of the best ways to find out where those challenges stem from is to ask our people. So give them the chance to voice their opinions and provide feedback. And in this process, leaders can really gain valuable insights into what the problems are. And I'll warn you, they will be varied. What causes stress for one person in regards to workload is going to be different for the next So making sure that you collect data in a way where you can try and find those key themes, those standout areas is really important rather than just an open forum with a group of staff who will give you seven different workload challenges and you don't know what it actually is for the majority. So using a survey or capturing data and actually looking at how many responses came through for a certain process at school for instance I'm thinking like your assessment schedule is really important here because just listening to a couple of people or only a couple of voices will only give you a few ideas but not the full picture. As I covered earlier in the episode the most common workload challenges are often linked to curriculum, planning and assessment, data tracking, student management and communication. This is broad though. You need to identify in your school exactly what it is and how you could potentially address it. 
So as I said before, it might include refining your reporting schedule or reviewing the amount of assessments across a term or over a a couple of weeks uh, period in the lead up to reports, for instance. You know, ways to streamline data collection or administrative entries. Do we actually need to do or collect what what we have for so long? Are we looking at it? And so on. And after you've surveyed staff, really review those results, identify the problems and share your findings with staff. And in this process, you can consider having a structured conversation with staff to identify any solutions moving forward. And staff should be provided with opportunities to share their ideas. From here, as I said, you can review those main suggestions that come up again and again and then feedback to staff whether these are things that you can action right away, what things might need planning uh, and, you know, funding and the suggestions that simply can't be actioned but really importantly an explanation for why. Step number four then is to address the problem. Once you know where the challenges lie, we apply workload-reducing strategies that get to the core of the problem. So how school leaders administer and how staff organise and interpret the different components of their roles affects time that teachers have for teaching. And while schools have a great deal of flexibility in how they can actually organise for teaching and learning, they rarely review the efficiency and effectiveness of their own practices to identify whether some of their administrative tasks or administrative time can actually be streamlined and modified. So once you've identified where your school core load, core workload, sorry, challenges lie, it's up to you and your staff to jointly decide on the best strategies to address any issues that continue. And I'll cover off on some of these ideas really loosely now, but for more details and strategies on these, I've written a blog on workload and earlier in the year or late last year and that includes uh, these practical ideas in more detail so I do encourage you to check that out via the show notes as well Um, uh, it's just too much simply to cover in the episode and you won't want to hear my voice for too much longer so some possible solutions for common workload challenges um, particularly around the area let's start with creating uh, around communication so first of all you might create boundaries with communication schools rely on on many channels of communication to keep teachers parents and students up to date on the information that they need however it can be really easy to overuse or overcomplicate internal and external communication So you might consider better ways to safeguard teachers' time during working hours, uh, streamline staff meetings and optimise how they're run, making them more efficient. Consider the use or frequency of emails and review your approach to written reports as well. If your staff are calling for improved planning practices, we, we know that planning takes up a significant amount of teacher time. So streamlining the planning process can significantly reduce teacher workload. So that might include looking over or evalu- 
evaluating your curriculum plans and your planning documents. Um, you know, have you got sections in there that just aren't used or have become a bit mundane and aren't really required and can be stripped back? Can we offer more opportunities to facilitate collaborative planning? Perhaps we need to sit down and review the current planning efficiency as a whole school. Um, maybe we need to regularly assess our lesson plan protocol, so what we're actually expecting of our teachers to plan and submit. Are there ways that we can choose high-quality resources with pre-planned lessons and activities? You know, not all of them um, are as taboo as they they need to be. They're not all blackline masters. Some are really high-quality. Can we provide space, of course, for staff to plan collaboratively and share their work so they're not reinventing the wheel? Then if your staff are highlighting a need to streamline assessment practices, you could consider reviewing your school's assessment schedule. When I was back at school, we did this really every year, looked at it when everything was coming up, plotted it in our calendars and day books as a team at the beginning to really sort of get a bit of foresight as to what was coming um, to get staff prepared, but also to review whether we think, oh, holy moly, we might have a few thousand things planned at once. Um, I think having things displayed visually is always really handy. Um, To evaluate our time spent on marking, are there more efficient ways that we can mark? Can we have a rubric style system, for instance, Is everybody marking the same? Um, Are some of us, you know, do we need to vigorously mark every single thing that comes across our desk or can we set up a system? I'm thinking this is probably more applicable in primary where um, each child has a deeper layer of marking done for a written task uh, across the week but not necessarily with every piece of writing for instance but we can certainly conference with them or cite their work. Again can we explore quicker marking techniques? Can we use low stakes and self-marking tools with our staff particularly with uh, sorry with our students particularly with the older students Um, Maybe the use of self and peer assessment at times and, of course, verbal feedback and conferencing in lessons. Now, I'm not saying, of course, that we would strip everything back and go only to self-assessment all the time, but um, perhaps there's a schedule or a timetable that we can do to ensure that we earn back a little bit of time. Now, next, if staff are experiencing added workload pressure due to data tracking or entry, it might need a review. So student student data tracking is, I know, helpful, but it must be considered in the additional workload for staff. And it's common for tracked data really to be duplicative and at times unnecessary. And it has been proven that it adds little or no value to students' success outcomes in some areas. So it, you might consider actions to actually plan and review your data collection strategy uh, and work out what it is that you actually really need to collect and for what purpose and, and how it will serve the team or the school. To map out a data collection timetable for your staff, again, making that visual. 
to develop staff confidence and ability to manage data to actually inform their interventions. So if your staff are telling you that what they're collecting isn't useful, but you know that it is, then you need to connect the vision to the work um, or support them in being able to actually use the data in the way that it's um, designed for. From here, you can support your staff in really seeing the value of data collection. I'm a data gal, so I get it. Uh, but it's actually the power is in the, the useful data. So we, we might need to take a little bit of a full picture view on that. And finally, one of the most challenging aspects of teaching is managing student behavior. Not only does it require skill, patience and experience, but the implications of not managing classrooms or behavior can be really detrimental. In fact, over a quarter of teachers' mental health challenges were provoked by student behavior in the study put out by Satchel, and 70% of teachers have considered leaving the profession as a result. This research in particular shows that when staff are struggling with student behavior, their workload or perceptions of workload increased. As such, the school might consider systemizing or refocusing on their school behavior management processes or policies or providing key support for those staff in particular who are challenged. Rob Lands and I recorded an awesome episode on this, episode two. I'll link that in the show notes, but do go back and listen for some great and helpful tips in that area. Remember, if you liked any of these ideas that I rattled off really quickly, don't forget to go and check out that blog article, which goes into much more detail on each of those suggestions. So once you've recognized and worked to address these workload pressures and stresses, another suggestion I have really is to narrow your focuses. Many schools are making the mistake of trying to carry on with business as usual when they're short-staffed or when their staff are struggling with their health and well-being. Now, this practice is only causing more stress and feelings of overwhelm for staff, especially when staff shortages are at an all-time high. So this, this is why it's critical to scale back instead of trying to do everything and all at once. After all, if your staff keep, keep taking time off, resisting your change efforts or not actually achieving the goals that you have or you've set out, what's the point in persisting? So my recommendations here are to find your school's priorities for strategic focus and focus on those. Remember, staff don't have the cognitive capacity to take on too much during times of stress and anxiety. So this might be the basics of actually keeping students in the classroom or implementing your new curriculum in one area. Review the school strategic priorities and map out tasks for completion visually. Seeing how much work is planned during each term visually as leaders can help to highlight whether we've got too much going on at once, particularly around uh, really busy times of the term when there are lots of events on or where you know, you've got groups of staff out on excursions or camps or there's a musical coming up, whatever it might be. 
Remember then to communicate the school's priorities clearly to staff. And as I said before, make it visual, return to it often, staff forget. We think that we have it clear in our head as leaders, but our staff don't always have that same clarity. Narrow as well your school's focus on professional learning and meeting times. So focus on the school's efforts on those key areas of priority only. Often this is planning collaboration and moderation and then, you know, those strategic priority areas only. And then reconsider new initiatives or any data collection or any any extra workload that adds any unnecessarily tasks or mental load for our staff. And finally, the last skill or the last step to focus on in managing workload in your school is to upskill staff in time management skills. So once you've addressed those stresses at a workplace level, it then paves the way to have the discussion around time management and productivity. In my experience, this conversation won't go down well unless staff feel like their workplace stresses have been first addressed at an organisational level. So as I said before, many professionals lack skills in time management and productivity and it is largely their responsibility to develop this skill but we can provide professional learning opportunities to staff so that they can learn how to prioritise and schedule those key tasks and manage their workload which gives them a greater sense of control. So some other ideas for managing individual workload can also include developing a better understanding of priority work tasks, learning to prioritise daily and weekly tasks and recognise that planning helps us to be proactive, learning how to plan ahead, so recognising the busier parts of the term early and getting a head start on other tasks to reduce a bottleneck at busier times. We can facilitate this as a team leader or a head teacher. Honouring that boundaries set by the school or system, so um, that might include mandated and legislated breaks and finishing times and making sure we actually take our breaks and begin and finish when we're meant to. And then utilising our non-face-to-face teaching hours and stand-down periods to complete our work. You know, it's a bit of an elephant in the room here, but we have face-to-face teaching time and then we have time off class on release or before school and after school um, where we are still technically um, on or or they're part of our work hours that we must utilise to our full advantage um, and and, and recognise that it is our job as teachers and staff to do this. And then, of course, the importance of balancing work activities with family, social life, hobbies and rest. You know, I said to an early career teacher yesterday, she said, it's impossible for me to have a social life in my first few years of teaching. And I said, well, that's not true. <laughs> you can certainly set boundaries and, and focus on that. And you need time to rest, The saying goes, a day of rest yields a hundred days of progress. So that's it. That's our episode today. As our workload continues to be a major cause of pressure and stress for teachers, we really must find ways to work leaner and meaner, which is achieved through a really holistic approach that identifies the underlying causes of teacher stress 
and then works to address those challenges strategically. While it may be near impossible for some schools to reduce the workload that teachers face, there are many ways to improve or streamline it. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Well-Led Schools. You can access the show notes for this episode complete with information and links wherever you're listening to this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review if you haven't already. If you suspect workload may be a stressor for your school staff, if you'd like to learn what the top stresses are that they're facing, I invite you to check out our anonymous staff wellbeing survey packages which are designed to facilitate the process of collecting feedback from your staff and serve as a way to open communication and create collaborative conditions between leaders and staff. With the data collected from the survey, you'll be able to identify priority areas for focus and make better and more effective decisions about wellbeing moving forward. Visit adrianhornby.com.au forward slash staff hyphen wellbeing hyphen surveys or for quick access, refer to the show notes in this episode. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to Well-Led Schools. I look forward to connecting with you at adrianhornby.com.au. Here you can get in contact with me, learn more about my approach and join my mailing list. I'm Adrienne Hornby. Thanks again for your time and stay well.